Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Pennsylvania Attorney General Josh Shapiro. And uh, we appreciate you taking the time so much. Uh, Good morning. Well, Sue, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And thanks for shining a light on this critically important issue. Well, uh, we we feel uh, that we are in the thick of this, really, in uh, Luzerne and Lackawanna counties. And uh, we want you to talk, first of all, about something that you unveiled yesterday. And in the announcement, you did talk about those two counties. So uh, do talk about this approach that you're taking to try to mitigate this opioid epidemic in our state. Uh, I sure will. And Lackawanna and Luzerne counties are two counties we're really focused on. Let me just take a step back, if I can, Sue, and set the table for just a moment on on this crisis. And I heard in the run-up to my call-in here, you you cited the the very troubling numbers, which is we lost 4,642 Pennsylvanians to fatal overdoses in the last uh, year. And to put that into some perspective, that's 13 Pennsylvanians a day. And we know the Lackawanna and Luzerne were very hard hit uh, in those figures. And so as the chief law enforcement officer of Pennsylvania, we have a responsibility to address this crisis. And I've said it's my top priority. But I've also said we can't arrest our way out of this crisis. Now, we're doing our part in that. Um, We arrest, on average, three drug dealers a day every single day I've been in office, which is an uptick from what we were doing in the past, including in northeastern Pennsylvania. We've also increased and actually doubled our number of diversion arrests. That's where a doctor or someone like that illegally sells or gives away a prescription, um, you know, for improper purposes. But I've also said that we've got to do our best to stop people from becoming addicted in the first place and treat those who are addicts who are nonviolent and suffering from a disease, and they're not criminals. Part of the way we can help stop people from becoming addicted is to get these old medicines out of people's cabinets, particularly the opioid painkillers. Now, some of your listeners may be wondering, well, what does that have to do with this? Well, here's the reality. 80% of heroin users start with a legal prescription drug like an Oxycontin or a Percocet, 80%. And 70% of them actually get that prescription from a friend, a relative, or something that was laying around in a medicine cabinet. So all across Pennsylvania, we've set up these drug drop boxes where people can come and dump their old medications, and hopefully that'll be one piece uh, of the effort to you know stop people from becoming addicted. But there's so many counties that are hard hit, um, that have big rural areas, that are typically forgotten. And I think there's areas in Lackawanna and Luzerne that fit this bill. And I want to make it very clear that I've not forgotten these communities. And we're actually taking, uh, you know, the, the resources right to their local pharmacies and right to their local homes. So yesterday, I announced that um, Lackawanna and Luzerne County uh, pharmacies there, 77 of them, would be getting these pouches that people can get for free um, every time they get a Schedule II narcotic, like an Oxycontin or something like that. And these pouches can go home with them, 
They can take any unused medications, dump them in the pouch, put a little bit of warm water in there, shake it up, and throw it away in a regular trash can. And so now the public can actually help us deal with this crisis by getting rid of their unused medications. And that's why we thought it was important to take this fight right to Lackawanna and Luzerne County and, uh, and have the folk, good folks there help us in this battle. Oh, my goodness. This is a revolutionary because you know that people have been uh, a little bit timid to maybe flush this stuff because they hear then it gets in the water table and uh, they're afraid of that. So maybe they do hang on to it. But what you're saying is this is a, a perfectly reasonable way to dissolve these things. Absolutely. I mean, think about it. If, if you're in certain parts of, of Luzerne County and you don't have access to one of these drug drop boxes, you've got you know two bad choices, either to leave these dangerous drugs in your medicine cabinet where your kids or others could grab it, or to flush it down the toilet, which is really bad for the environment. So these pouches are both environmentally safe uh, and also chemically safe to render these pills basically useless and, um, you know, and, and basically kill the pills. That is really, really, uh, we think, a, a smart approach to helping deal with this crisis. And I'm calling on uh, you know, the good residents of Lackawanna and Luzerne County to help us in this battle. We cannot do this just with law enforcement. We need everybody involved, and this is a good way that people can get involved and help in their communities. You also bring up a really excellent point about how this this may break out in the first place, and that is through um, a, a prescription when someone is in pain. And, yep. um, and they, the dentist, I heard, Josh, is one place where a lot of people often get uh, an opioid and then all of a sudden they find themselves in, in real uh, trouble, emphasizing that, um, you know, a short prescription or maybe no prescription at all. Are you working with uh, the medical community in, in some kind of interface with that, if that is part of the issue? I am, and, and that's a great question. So, look, as I said at the top, we're arresting doctors and nurses and other healthcare providers who are illegally what we call diverting these prescription drugs for improper usage. But we're also working really hard to change the culture of how they prescribe and getting them to prescribe less and less or getting them not to prescribe it at all. Now, look, there are some people who are listening to your show right now who genuinely need an opioid painkiller and use it responsibly. I don't want to change that for them. But there are other instances, like you just said, someone gets a root canal, and maybe they need a day or two's worth of this pain medication, and they come home with 30 or 60 pills from their dentist. And that's crazy. Uh, and so we've been working closely with the Pennsylvania Medical Society and other medical groups to try and change that culture. And I will say anecdotally, it seems like that culture is changing, and, and doctors and other healthcare providers are much more aware now of the dangers of these painkillers and working with us uh, to try and address the crisis. And also the, the state of Pennsylvania has a, a better way to track some of these medications now, right? We do. We have a prescription drug monitoring system where um, I and others in law enforcement are able to go and track, you know, docs who are, you know, prescribing at a high rate and know what they're prescribing, um, obviously while protecting the, the identities of, of Pennsylvanians and keeping that information confidential. But that's an important tool that we're using uh, in order to combat this epidemic. If someone is prescribing at a high rate, what happens? 
Well, they can be notified and, and let them know that they're, you know, they're prescribing at an alarming rate or a rate that is, you know, sort of not conforming with other doctors in their region with similar practices. And um, we've just, again, anecdotally, um, I don't yet have the data to back this up, but I can tell you anecdotally, um, that has had a positive effect on this in, in terms of getting doctors to rethink their approach. Okay. You, you also are a proponent of treatment because, as you mentioned in this phone call, that a lot of people who get involved in addiction are not criminals. They're, they're addicts and they need help. The one thing that we often think about with treatment is that it has a limited effect, but you're still saying that uh, the, the option of treatment in a case where someone uh, maybe has crossed the line and gotten in trouble should most certainly be exercised and probably at the end of the day maybe more cost effective than, of course, lengthy incarceration. I'm a big proponent of uh, treatment. Now, I want to be very clear. I understand the difference between a drug dealer who's wreaking havoc in Wilkes-Barre or Scranton uh, who needs to be arrested and locked up for a long time uh, and someone who's nonviolent, someone who's not dealing, and someone who's just addicted, who frankly needs to be you know, sent away from the criminal justice system and put into treatment. It's why I've worked so hard to try to convince Harrisburg legislators and our representatives in Washington to make sure that there is guaranteed access to treatment, that that not be taken away. It's also why recently I, I spoke to insurance company, health insurance company executives in Philadelphia, and just today published an op-ed in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette on the same topic, challenging insurance companies to take down the barriers that have been erected that stop people from getting access to treatment, or when they get that treatment, getting kicked off of the treatment before they're ready to go home or before they're ready to be done. I think these insurance company policies often have a perverse incentive for people to stay on the opioid painkillers and stay out of treatment, and we need to change that. And I've been working very hard with the insurance industry to do that. There are some positive signs. Uh, For example, we've seen uh, Independence Blue Cross, a major insurer in southeastern Pennsylvania, begin to limit doctors to five days of uh, prescribing um, versus, you know, 30 or 60 days. We've seen some loosening up of restrictions on uh, access to treatment. These are all positive steps, but a lot more needs to be done. If we look at a map of the country, Josh, it seems that there are areas where there, there literally is not this problem at all. And then the East Coast, Pennsylvania, of course, included, looks absolutely bombarded. Do you have any inclination from talking to various individuals as to why? Look, Pennsylvania has the third highest overdose death rate in the country behind California and Ohio. And if you look at a, you know, a heat map, if you will, of the country, you're looking at West Virginia and Ohio and Pennsylvania, Kentucky, states like that with very, very alarming rates. Um, I don't think that there is one specific reason why, but I can tell you that um, it involves, you know, the, the, I think, overproduction and mass marketing of these opioid painkillers by pharmaceutical companies. It's one of the reasons why I announced a couple weeks ago that Pennsylvania is a lead state in a massive multi-state investigation into the opioid manufacturing industry. I think part of it um, has to do with just the availability uh, of very, very cheap heroin in those states as compared to others. Um, Part of it has to do with the fact that 
you know, we haven't necessarily had the most coordinated response in the past. I think we have that now, certainly. Um, at, at all levels of law enforcement, there's just terrific cooperation. So I think, um, you know, there, there are a whole host of reasons for it, but what I can tell you is we're really focused on the solutions right now and working with our partners in law enforcement and healthcare and government in order to effectuate the needed change. Obviously, the the impetus here should be uh, getting people to be educated in what can happen to them uh, should they go down this path. And I would imagine this this really should reach down to the the grade school level. I mean, if you can reach an audience in the, in that level, and you can convince them that this is a very serious issue which can addict, maybe kill you, or lead to incarceration. It's a, it's a pretty powerful message. Um, when I was a kid, you saw a lot of uh, heroin addicts on television that scared the scared you. Um, what kind yeah. of approach do you think is effective for that generation that can be swayed at this point and doesn't have any kind of opinion formed on this? It, it's a great question. It's one of the reasons why we started the Office of um, of public uh, education, we, we wanted pu- public engagement, excuse me, we wanted to make sure that um, my office dealt with not just arresting the dealers, not just promoting uh, treatment and things like that, but actually getting out and trying to convince people to never try this stuff in the first place. And so we think that engagement and education piece is really, really important. And I've been in schools in northeastern Pennsylvania talking about this. I, I'm not a big believer in kind of just say no. I, I don't know that that's worked. I've got four young children, and they don't want their dad just constantly saying no, no, no. I think we need to talk to students in a in a you know in a mature way. We need to explain to them the dangers. I think one of the areas where we are are really behind the uh, curve on is when it comes to prescription drugs. A lot of students, a lot of young people, don't realize how dangerous these prescriptions are. And think about it: they're they're in a medicine cabinet, they're in an official-looking bottle, right? Their parents got it for some legitimate purpose, uh, presumably. So, what could be so bad about it? They think, and that's a very dangerous attitude. And I think that's a a big attitude change that we need to um, that we need to focus in on. And we're doing a lot of that work in my office. I know the DAs are doing work on that. Um, schools need to do work on that. And so we're, we're trying to come up with sort of a curriculum and some online materials that we think can be helpful in that process. And uh, it's a really, really important part of this fight. The other part that, that goes with the illegal stuff, uh, the, the fentanyl and the car fentanyl, it's just the uh, massive introduction of these things into street drugs is most certainly troubling because it seems to me that they can slip in to the country, I guess in small commodities or even be mailed. How are you addressing that to try to keep that out of here, if that is possible? It's very hard, but look, I work with attorneys general in other states um, for anything crossing our borders in, in Pennsylvania. Most recently, we had a, a major heroin pipeline that went from New York City 
to York, Pennsylvania, to Altoona. Um, it had dumped 750,000 bags of heroin into the Commonwealth. And we shut that down, working with our partners at the federal level and, and other states. We work very closely with the DEA um, and the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's offices in order to combat this. And they're, they're just terrific partners, and they're, they're doing a great job. I think the more we can collaborate in law enforcement and share information, the better we can protect Pennsylvania. That's exactly what I do each day. It was so nice to talk to you today, Pennsylvania Attorney General Josh Shapiro. I hope that we get to talk again in the future about this issue and other issues, because I know this is not your only focus. Obviously, you have many other things going on. We get your uh, releases almost on a daily basis, and uh, there's a lot of important work that's being done on behalf of the citizens of the Commonwealth, and I appreciate it. Well, Sue, thank you. We're working hard for the people of Pennsylvania, and I'd love to come on your show regularly and give you updates, and um, I really thank you for your interest, and thank you for talking about these uh, this important issue. As I said, it's my top public safety and public health priority, and uh, my office is working incredibly hard on these things, and so thanks very much for your time. Yeah, I see those young uh, people in the uh, in the obituary section every day, and then some of the other people, and now I notice uh, awful. F- yeah, family members are more public about their pronouncement that uh, their child was an addict and it's it's heart-wrenching and i would like to see a much different future for this i hope so i mean you just have so many stories uh, of parents parents i've talked to in in scranton recently who were telling me about their you know their child who was you know all around good kid athlete got hurt got prescribed these opioid painkillers uh took them uh, got hooked got addicted went out on the streets of Scranton to buy an opioid painkiller illegally, cost him 75 bucks a pill, ran out of money doing that, and so they switched to heroin, which is only 5 bucks a bag. And that process, that evolution from, you know, good kid, star athlete who blows out his knee to addict uh, to overdose death, oftentimes can be a matter of months. That's how fast it is. And so I want people to understand these are you know, people in our communities. They're black, white, and brown. They're rich and poor. They're men and women, boys and girls. And uh, it, you know, this disease, this uh, epidemic, this crisis knows no municipal boundaries, knows no class or racial or socioeconomic boundaries. And we have got to work together to combat it. And that's one of the reasons why we're delivering these pouches to Lackawanna and Luzerne County and targeting these communities with additional aid. Would, uh, I got a note from a Crime Watch member. Would Crime Watches be uh, receiving these in any way, shape, or form? You know, at, at this point, we've been working through the pharmacies, but um, we'd love to engage with the local Crime Watch uh, task forces and see if there's a way in which they can help us with it. Um, we, we're starting with 300,000 of these pouches, and certainly if we need more, we'll get more. And um, if they can assist us in the process, that's terrific. That's super. Well, we, we appreciate you taking all this time with us this morning. It was uh, great it. to have you on the show. Thanks. Thank you, Sue. Right, bye-bye. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.